welcome back to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. This is your host, Stephanie, and today I got to interview an amazing woman named Evie Takis. Evie is a certified holistic health coach who owns Holistically Restored, and she is a good friend of mine. Also, we have known each other for almost 10 years now, which is kind of crazy. This interview, you guys, is loaded with so much good practical information from things I was curious about. And she also answers all the questions you guys asked in the Legacy Through Motherhood community group. So without further ado, let's jump in. All right. Hey, Evie, how are you? Hey, Stephanie. Good. How are you? Good. I'm um, I'm so excited to have you on here. I'm been talking to my group a lot and they just have so many questions for you. (laughs) So I'm excited to hop right in. So why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself? And for those of you who are listening, Evie and I have known, I just put this on Instagram, but Evie and I have known each other for almost 10 years now. We went to college together and she is a special ed teacher just like I am. And so that is kind of how we met. And now she has transitioned kind of into um, being a certified holistic health coach. So Evie, how did you get started with that? Like, a little bit of a transition from a special ed teacher. So can you kind of go into that for us? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on here. I'm really excited to be able to talk a little bit more about what my story is. And because I think a lot of women go through this and it's kind of, it can be isolating. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk with some other people about it and um, hopefully build a community in this. Um, so yeah, like you said, we've known each other for a decade, which is so crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, And especially just like teaching. And then now we're both like transitioning into this new phase of our lives, which is really, really cool to see. Um, And then we're connected through that, too. So it's been really neat to have that kind of come back full circle. Um, But yeah, so like you said, I um, was, you know, started out as a special ed teacher. And, you know, to really go back about... um, I'd say 10, a little, maybe over 10 years now, um, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is the autoimmune disease that leads to hypothyroidism. And at the time I was just finishing up high school. And um, the reason I knew that something was going on was because I was working as a camp counselor at a YMCA. And so I was out in the sun, in the heat, running after kids, you know, doing all this stuff that you'd think would help you lose weight, but I was gaining weight. I was so exhausted. And I mean, I knew that I would be tired given the nature of the job, but it was just this overwhelming feeling of I had nothing left in me when I got home. And mind you, I'm 17 years old. Like I should at least have something left in me. Um, And so my mom kind of picked up on these things and she herself has Hashimoto's. And so she suggested that I go to her endocrinologist. And so I went to the endocrinologist and um, got tested for Hashimoto's. And they said, okay, you tested positive. Uh, Here's medication. This is what you'll take the rest of your life. And goodbye. And at the time, I I thought that sounded weird because, you know, I I didn't know much about like holistic living or medication or really anything, right? I mean, I was 17 years old about to go to college. I had, this was not on my radar at all. So I knew something was wrong with that, but I just kind of took it and went. And so you know, I go on about my life. I take my medicine. Um, I'm still not feeling well, but my lab work looks good. Um, I'm going to my endocrinologist regularly, but I'm still, I'm like starting to gain weight, but then I'd lose weight, but then I wouldn't keep it off. Um, just the fatigue was still there. And really the main symptom that I just remember being 
so prevalent every day was brain fog. Um, the only way I know how to describe it for me personally was I just felt like I was actually moving through like fog or mud and just my thoughts were like, I couldn't even think um, like at a good pace. It was like all my thoughts were even slow. Um, and so I just knew that that was weird and I was in college and I just, I didn't like want to do anything with my friends. I was just really tired all the time, gaining weight. I was starting to have digestive issues, but I thought maybe, you know, it's like food that you're eating in college and you're not really taking care of yourself that well. (laughs) So I thought maybe it's just that. Um, and so then my junior year of college, I actually started going to the gym with my mom and I hired a personal trainer and was like, this is the year that I'm going to lose weight. You know, I have a trip in the summer. I want to lose weight for it. So this is what I'm going to do. And so my trainer, who's actually now my husband, um, you know, he really opened up my eyes to the world of nutrition and how what you eat also impacts not only how you look, but also how you perform in the gym and how much energy you have. So I started to clean up my diet a little bit, you know, as best as I could and as as much as much as I knew back then too, and as much as he could, you know, that wasn't necessarily his area of expertise either. Um, he could only guide me so far. And so things started to get a little bit better, but overall it was like, I was always tired. I would, I could never recover from the gym. So any workout I did, I was so tired the next day. I was sore. I was achy. I just, well, that's what I mean when I couldn't recover. Like I was always complaining of a sore hamstring or a sore back or sore legs, whatever it was. I was always sore and achy and I wasn't sleeping well. Even though I was in bed for like 10 hours, I felt like I had slept for maybe two. You know, I was just not resting. I never felt rested. Um, And so, you know, go on. I'm still taking my medication. Doctors are still saying there's nothing else you can do. So I go on about, you know, living that way for several years. And then it wasn't until the year that I got married that I really decided, like, this has got to end. So leading up to my wedding, I did what I I like to think most women do is, you know, I dieted down. I got really, really thin and really small for my size. And I was like on that diet for the wedding and everything was like fine. But I knew that I was pushing myself. Like, again, those same symptoms were coming up. Brain fog, fatigue. Um, You know, I was eating pretty clean. You know, I say clean with quotes, um, but I still just didn't feel well. You know, even though my lab work looked good, I, I just didn't feel well. Yeah. And so you know, went through the wedding, you know, I made it to that goal weight that I had set for myself, which is so (laughs) ridiculous now saying this, but you know, I think we all do that. Um, So, you know, got there and then I had started a new job. So I got married, moved in with my husband, you know, so new house, new job, new name, all these new things at once. And they're all really, really exciting. But that new job is what really you know, at the time I thought it was going to be the death of me. And now I'm so thankful for that experience. So that job was extremely stressful um, to the point where like every day I was crying. Um, I was crying in the bathroom at work. I was crying on my way to work, on my way home from work. When I was at home, I was crying. It was, it was just miserable for me and for my husband. Is this when you were teaching? Yes. So this was my last year teaching brick and mortar. And this was like the last school that I had. I was like, this is the school that I'm going to retire from. Right. Like I I was so set that this was going to be the job that I was going to have for years on end. 
So, you know, being a newlywed, that's not exactly the life you want to be living. You know, I had no libido. I was too tired. I was too depressed. I was way too anxious. Um, And what started to happen was my binge eating was getting completely out of control. So in the past, I had binged, you know, every now and then it wasn't anything too bad. It was more of like, oh, man, that really does sound good. So I will eat, you know, six of these or whatever it may be, or the whole box of this. But when I moved to this job, I was starting to binge like every day. And I would binge on my way to work. I'd binge at work. I'd binge on my way home from work. I mean, it was just this horrific cycle. And um, at that point, I started to notice not only the symptoms that I had been familiar with, like brain fog, fatigue, you know, bloating. It was more of like, now my gut was acting up. Like I knew something was off with me because I was going to the bathroom so often, but I never felt like I was emptying myself, if that makes sense. Um, And I just felt like, I mean, my stomach, no matter what I ate, it would bloat up or I wouldn't eat and I'd be bloated. And I just felt like if you would stick a like a needle in me, I would deflate. I just felt very, very puffy and full um, no matter what I ate and how much I ate. So I knew like that's something new for me. Something's going on. So that is when I decided to really look into more of a functional medicine, naturopathic medicine, holistic way of living because conventional, I hate to say failed me, but it just wasn't getting me to where I knew I could be. And so I decided that this wasn't the route for me anymore. I needed to try some other things that sounded a little extreme at the time and weird and crazy. But, um, you know, I I knew I needed to at least give it a shot because I knew that I didn't want the rest of my life to look like that because I had a serious talk with myself. And I said, look, the next 20, 30, 40 years of your life are going to look like this and probably worse if you don't do anything about this now. Like you're a newlywed, like you, you're in your mid twenties. Like this is not the way life is meant to be lived. And so. Well, and um, I feel like we, like we trust doctors. I mean, I feel like we're ingrained to just absolutely trust like the Western medicine of doctors and and everything they know. And they're, you know, like they go to school for, you know, eight, 12 years or whatever and practice and so I feel like we just take that as the gospel truth and it's just not always. Um, and often it's not, and often it's just prescribing medi- uh, medication. And my husband and I, I mean, we joke all that this is not actually funny at all, but we'll sit and we'll watch a show. And like the commercials are like, if you're depressed, try this. And it lists, I mean, the list of side effects are longer than the actual commercial. Oh, I know. Like, and it's, it's always so like bad. when the person's out on a lovely picnic. So you're not even right. thinking about what they're saying. And then you catch it and you're like, wait, what? Suicide? That's not a good side effect. <laughs> right. We're like, if you're a little bit depressed, go ahead and take this drug. And yeah, you're going to like have suicidal thoughts. Right. Have like all the, like the, like, so, I mean, we literally look at each other like, oh my God. I know. That was insane. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, I think it is because a doc, because someone has MD after their name, which I'm not discrediting that. There is a time and a place, and we absolutely need conventional medicine. We do. Like allopathic medicine has a time and a place. But the issue is that I think in this country and in the culture that we live in, we very much are more into sick care rather than health care. And we ha- there's a pill for every ill, and we're not looking at prevention. And that's what I realized is like, I was just prescribed medicine to make my symptoms feel better, but there was nothing that was being done at the root cause. And so that's when I decided I need to get to the root cause of what's going on. Why am I experiencing these symptoms? I don't want a fancy bandaid anymore. I need something to really eradicate this. 
And, you know, and I didn't mention, but I was also on hormonal birth control. So I was on the pill for about 10 years as well, which, so that's really what happened. So when I start, I found my nutritionist, you know, I started working with him and this whole world opened up to me of how I, how it's like, I describe it as being in this parallel universe, right? Like you're living amongst people and you're like doing the same things as them, but it's almost like because you know what it's like on the other side, you feel like you're not also, you're like, you're not actually living the same universe as them. Um, So I just, I learned so much about nutrition and the way our body functions and how everything is connected, right? Like a headache isn't just a headache. It's connect, it's happening because of something else, or your gut isn't bloated just because of one particular thing. It could be a million other things going on or Hashimoto's, you know, the root cause of that. And how do you get rid of that or PCOS, which I had been diagnosed with at one point. So there's all these things that I had, but I realized that these were all connected. They weren't isolated situations and these weren't isolated symptoms. They were all connected. And that was the integrative approach that I had been missing all those years in my healthcare. And so when I worked with my coach, what we first did was really, um, I mean, on and I know this is not sexy. This is not what people like to hear, but I had to do the really boring stuff at first, which was I had to tone down my exercise because at the time I was, um, I, you know, I lift weights. That's really is my love. Like I, I love to lift weights, but I was doing more powerlifting training. And for those of you who aren't familiar with powerlifting, that is, um, the type of exercise where there's three main lifts. There's the squat, deadlift, and the bench press. And, you know, you go and you try to max out on those three lifts. And so it's a lot of strength training um, and really trying to build up your strength over periods of time. So, you know, and that's fine. But what I had learned is that that's not conducive for me with Hashimoto's, right? Because that affects your adrenals so much. And I didn't know any of that before. So, you know, the things I had to do was tone back down my exercise. I was doing a lot more walking, which was so boring to me. Um, I, I had to do elimination diet. I eliminated gluten, dairy, soy, which I really wasn't eating that much of anyways. Um, Mm -hmm. eggs, some, you know, some other grains, things like that. Corn, um, I had to that journal. Thing, like what, what is left? <laughs> There's actually my a biggest, lot left. <laughs> my biggest fear is a dairy allergy, man. We live on cheese and milk and yogurt. In this yeah. House. Yeah. So, um, you know, I had to journal and do things. And so I would literally write in my journal. I hate that I have to do this. This is so stupid. This is a waste of time. And all these things that I thought were just so dumb. And I was like, this isn't help. like, this is not going to get me anywhere. I need to be doing, doing, doing. And what I realized, because in the first 10 days, when I dropped like eight pounds in my, like, I actually started sleeping and I started like pooping regularly again. I was like, wait a second, this is working. Like the complete opposite of what I thought I needed is actually really helping me. And so I bought in immediately. And so basically what it got me to is that there are so many things that we aren't taught or because of the way our culture is that we are go, go, go constantly living, which is something you were just talking about today um, on your social media, or maybe it was yesterday. Um, You know, we, we create a lot of these problems for ourselves. And so I realized that I, I love this. I'm fascinated by it. And I really want to help other people do that because what I, what happened through all of this work with my coach was that my thyroid levels got back to optimal levels 
my PCOS is no longer active, right? Like I can't say that right now I have PCOS. Um, my digestion has improved significantly. I can eat, you know, for the most part, whatever I want, knowing like, okay, this is going to affect me in this way. I'm not scared to eat certain things anymore. Um, my sleep has increased. My libido has increased. Um, and my overall mood, my anxiety, I mean, I would be anxious at anything. Like any time I looked out into the world, the only thing I saw was the potential for a danger. And now I can actually go out and not see the danger in every single situation. And I say that just because I want people to understand that this is possible. You don't have to live in that state. You don't have to live bloated, fatigued, no libido, depressed. Like that's not the way life is meant to be lived. And there are ways to get out of it. And yes, it's going to take some work. And yes, it's probably going to be unconventional and be a little bit weird at first, but it is totally doable and it is totally worth it. And I just, I knew that I had to help people get there. And so I decided to enroll in the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and they have a, it's typically a 12 month program, but at the time when I enrolled, they were doing a six month accelerated program. And so I decided to do that. And so I did that program, graduated and built my business, which is holistically restored and have been helping women ever since. And it's been such an amazing, um, an amazing journey to be able to really work hands-on with women and help them really change their life and the life of their families too. Um, so I'm very thankful to be in this position and I'm so excited to continue working with people and showing them what it really means to be healthy and to be living a fulfilling life and to not be such a victim to your symptoms anymore. Yeah. And um, okay, so you said something and I just want to touch back on it really quickly. So you were saying um, that you can no longer say that you have PCOS. Do you mean that it's just not active or is it, I mean, I thought, and listen, I don't have PCOS, so I don't really know anything at all about it um, other than what it stands for. Um, but is it, I mean, I know a lot of women struggle with that. Um, and I know some women in my group struggle with that. So is that something you have for life or is that something that like, if you can alter things in your body, it's something that could either be like silented or it can be um, like, can you get rid of it? Yeah, definitely. Good question. So polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, most people are aware of what it is, but, um, and this is probably something that is, it's very controversial because a lot of people are told that the way to, to diagnose PCOS is to see if you have cysts on your ovaries. Now here's the issue at any given point in a woman's cycle, right? Not like her menstrual cycle, but just the cycle in general of like ovulation, um, you know, menstruation, you are going to have what are not cysts, they are follicles on your ovaries. And those follicles are what then can, like, there's one dominant follicle that then becomes the one that then goes and um, helps you either get pregnant or menstruate, right? So at any given point, if you look at something on an ultrasound, you're going to have follicles that are called cysts, right? So that's issue number one is that it depends on when you check through an ultrasound if you have PCOS. So that's why most functional doctors, and I think most conventional doctors are starting to 
agree and pick up on this as well, that that's not the right and accurate way to diagnose PCOS alone. Sure, you can look at that, but there are other things to consider as well. And so the two main things that you want to look at are blood work. You want to look at your androgen levels. And androgens are the male sex hormones that women have. So things like testosterone um, and androsterone, you want to look at those. And then you also want to see if you have symptoms of inovulation. So symptoms of you not ovulating. So if you don't ovulate and you have elevated levels of androgens, then that is what qualifies you for PCOS. And the reason I said I don't have PCOS right now is because based on my recent blood work, which I do get every uh, six months, I don't have elevated androgens and I do ovulate. And so that is why I don't classify myself as having PCOS. But I do know that if I don't continue to take care of myself and do the things that I know help me maintain this level, I could certainly fall back into that um, category of having PCOS. Um, and one okay. of the things with um, with ovulation you know, and I'm sure many people have different ways that they tell that they ovulate. I myself, I don't use ovulation test strips just because I don't feel like I need to at this point. What I do is I actually track my my basal body temperature. So my BBT and your basal body temperature is your waking temperature. So, you know, you're at your sleep all night, you're laying down and um, you check your basal body temperature right before you get up in the morning. And that temperature changes throughout your menstrual cycle, like your monthly cycle, um, depending on where you're at in your cycle. And so there are certain temperatures that will, there are certain times during the month that your temperature will spike and that will indicate ovulation. And so that is the way that I'm able to track one, when my period is coming and two, when I'm fertile. Um, And that helps when now that we are preventing pregnancy and then also that will help when we are trying to conceive as well. Yeah, we, um, I got off birth control after we miscarried our second um, baby. And I remember when we were like ready to try to get pregnant again, it was actually, it was really hard for us to, well, okay, let me say it was not really hard. It took eight months, but that's not really hard in the grand scheme of things I know. But, um, you know, with our first, it was, it just happened like pretty quickly. And so I just remember tracking, tracking that. And then ever since, um, we, I've never gotten back on birth control. I don't think that birth control caused my miscarriage. Um, but I'm just like, you know what? I can do this. I can figure out when I'm fertile, when I'm not fertile. Um, and I mean, we have four kids, so people probably think like, what the heck? Um, but actually all of them were planned. (laughs) (laughs) We wanted, we wanted our four kids eight years apart or, uh, within eight years. And that's what we did. So, um, it looks like we didn't use birth control and it was obvious, but, um, actually it was all planned, which is, which is nice. So, um, so that's really interesting. Yeah. And, you know, and with birth control, like people hear me talk about it and I'm not necessarily anti-hormonal birth control, right? It's more of I'm pro informed consent. I want you to understand what could happen while you're on hormonal birth control. And I want people to understand that birth control does not fix the root cause. So a lot of people go to doctors and they're like, I'm having really heavy periods or my, I'm really having bad acne or, you know, whatever the case may be. And the doctor says, we'll take birth control. Here's the pill. This will fix it. The pill, what it does and what it was created to do in the 1950s is shut down ovulation, right? I mean, it, 
It is a birth control. If you're not ovulating, you cannot get pregnant. So it shuts down ovulation. But what else does it do when it shuts down ovulation? It shuts down all your other hormones. So you're not making estrogen naturally. You're not making progesterone not naturally. And there is no birth control with progesterone in it. Um, there's with estrogen in it, but there is no progesterone that's found in birth control. It's progestin, which is something different. And so you're shutting down your natural, your body's natural ability to create the hormones. And that in turn can affect your digestion, your thyroid, your mood, your libido, all of that gets affected by it. And so, but, you know, but I don't know. I've never heard of a doctor who's really had the time, unfortunately, given their schedule to sit down and explain that to someone. And so that's why I like to just educate that this is what could happen. Um, you're for sure going to be shutting down your ovulation and your hormones, but all these other things will be affected as well. Because once again, the body is connected. We don't have these systems that don't communicate to one another. Our body is constantly communicating with the, with its internal systems and organs. And it's just a matter of, are we listening to what the body is communicating? Um, so that was one of the things that as soon as I found out about that, that's when I decided, you know, I'm going to get off birth control and I'm going to do this naturally. And I've been doing that for over two years now. And, you know, I did take the support of my husband because at first he was kind of like, well, I don't know, like, what is that? Like, how does this work? And so really educating him, um, now we're a team. So, you know, we can understand, okay, right now I'm fertile. And so you make decisions based on that um, because men are fertile every single day of their lives, but women right. aren't. And so <laughs> I think a lot of times women kind of forget that too. Like, Hey, I'm not actually fertile right now. So, you know, I'm in the clear or, you know, this probably wouldn't be a good time to try to conceive. So um, it's been a lot of education, but with that comes empowerment. And I'm sure you feel that way too. Like knowing, Hey, I'm fertile right now. Like that's pretty cool that I know that that's very empowering for me. And that's what I want other women to understand too, is that we can work with our bodies, not against it. Um, and understanding how our bodies work is really, really empowering and encouraging and helps us make decisions based on that. Okay. So I'm going to, um, segue kind of into a question that we had um, kind of started talking about, or at least that we were planning to talk about. And that is fertility diets for men and women. Is there something that if you are trying to conceive and are maybe having, you know, a difficult time with it, like is, does your, can your diet affect fertility, I guess is the big question. And if it does, like what are specific things that um, they can look for, right? Men and women to be able to boost that. Yeah, this is a great question. So. In terms of fertility and diets, I absolutely think that your diet can influence your fertility. Now, everyone I think can maybe pinpoint like someone and be like, oh, well, I know she's, you know, I know their diet's not that clean and they have no problem getting pregnant. But here's the thing. Everyone is bio-individual, right? What, what works for that person is going to be different for you or what, you know, how that person lives might not be a problem for them, but it might be for you. And so, you know, you can't play that game, first of all. And second of all, the biggest thing I would say when it comes to fertility and nutrition is making sure that you have, your body has, um, is more of a less inflamed state. And what I mean by that, because inflammation is like, well, how do you, like, you can't really see inflammation. Like, what do you mean? Like, what does that mean in terms of diet? So for example, I had a friend who um, goes to my church and they were having trouble conceiving. She goes on a gluten-free diet and she conceives that following month. 
So, you know, it's not like gluten Mm -hmm. is the devil and gluten is bad or whatever. I mean, gluten can definitely, it affects different people in different ways. Like I personally am gluten-free and because I have to be because of my autoimmune disease, but for someone else, like they don't, like my husband is not gluten-free because he doesn't really have to be. So with, in terms of fertility and all that, what I mean by gluten is in low inflammation is that inflammation will cause problems throughout the body. So let's say that you do have an issue with gluten and it's inflammatory for you. So that means that your body is focusing on trying to handle this inflammation. And if your body is using all of its efforts to contain one, you know, put out one fire for lack of a better term, then, you know, conceiving and like reproducing is not going to be a priority. So your body's not going to be able, not going to be primed to do that. So you want your body to be in a low inflammation state so that it feels comfortable and safe and able to conceive and keep that pregnancy. So that would be my biggest recommendation. So a lot of things that people could look for, um, you know, if they're just kind of starting out and they're not exactly sure what direction to go to is certain things that they can cut out right off the bat would be, unfortunately, dairy. (laughs) That's very inflammatory for Uh, a lot of people. (laughs) I'm done having kids now. We're good. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, that's all right. Um, So dairy can be very, very inflammatory for people. Gluten can be inflammatory for a majority of people. Um, eggs can also be a problem for people. Um, and then things like corn and soy. Okay. So I I feel like I need to explain gluten because a lot of people hear like, Hey, gluten is an issue, but we're not really sure why. So the thing is gluten. So there's wheat and that has glutenin and gliadin and gliadin is a subcomponent of gluten. And what happens is that some people's bodies don't digest gliadin. So what happens is it'll then bind to the intestinal lining and it'll activate zonulin. And zonulin, you can think of it like, um, like you can think of it like a drawbridge, right? So the drawbridge that is protecting your gut lining is that zonulin response and it gets activated to open up. So the drawbridge opens up and now all these foreign proteins are entering into our bloodstream and into our gut and they're not supposed to be there. And so our body does what it's designed to do and it sends the antibodies to go and attack the quote unquote invader. And so these antibodies are like, Hey, like, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. And so they're doing their job. The issue is that gliadin and the thyroid's tissue look identical. So your body is, you know, doing the best it can to fight off this invader, but it ends up attacking its own gland, which is the thyroid. So that's why people with thyroid disease definitely need to consider going gluten-free because they're, they're making, I don't want to say they're making things worse, but they kind of are, right? Like they have to protect themselves in that way. And so it, this doesn't only happen with people with, you know, celiac or Hashimoto's or thyroid disease. This can happen to anybody and we don't know about it unless you're really able to pinpoint like, hey, that bread really, really messed me up. Um, and some symptoms of having, oh, you know, a gluten sensitivity or intolerance would be like brain fog after you eat, getting a headache after you eat, that bloating, um, digestive issues, things like that. 
So that's kind of the really quick and easy thing about gluten and why it's supposed to be avoided by certain people. But that's also a reason why that can cause inflammation is because that is the response that happens in the body. And the reason it's so prevalent now is because, you know, agriculture is different the way it used to be 50 years ago. And so that's why we're seeing this uptick in all of these gluten sensitivities and allergies. Um, But to go back to the original question of fertility diets, I would definitely suggest having more whole foods. So natural foods, the way that they grow on the earth. So whole natural foods. When you do have something that comes out of a package, make sure there aren't a lot of ingredients on it. Like, you know, kind of an easy rule of thumb is if there's more than five to seven ingredients, you probably don't need to be eating that. So just making sure that you're sticking to things that are very simple and whole foods, nutrient dense, a lot of vegetables, fruits. Um, And, you know, if you are going to have those packaged things, really limiting those so that you can work on lowering inflammation in the body. That would be like my, my most, I guess, like the general suggestion I can give about that without knowing someone's specific situation. But, you know, if someone does come to me and they're a client and we're able to dig deep, dig deeper into that, then we might find something that, oh, that's something else we can try and do. But in general, I would say that that would be a good way, a good place to start in terms of boosting your fertility with your diet and nutrition. Okay. So in just the whole foods, soy-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, try one of those, try all of those, but those are the big, kind of the big issues um, that can be kind of the main things. Um, Okay. So thyroid you kind of mentioned um and you know i am exhausted all the time i was literally just joking on instagram that i still nap like 2 hours every day but i like feel like i need it but the problem is is that i have my kids sleep through the night they sleep 12 hours a night and so do i i don't sleep 12 hours but you know what i mean like i'm sleeping yeah. through the night i'm not getting interrupted anymore um you know so i feel and i haven't been i mean my baby's been sleeping through the night for a year so i feel like I should not be as tired as I am. I mean, I know I have a very full life with our five little children, but still I'm like, whatever. I've never done any kind of thyroid testing or anything. Um, but I know that there are some people that have, and a specific question we got was, um, you know, what happens if all signs point towards a thyroid issue, but when you go get tested, it is negative as if you don't have anything. So what, like what, what's your, um, advice if everything points to thyroid issues, but it's not formally diagnosed. Right. So, and that's a really good question because that is so common. It happens all the time. So I have two parts to this answer. The first one is make sure that you're actually getting a full thyroid panel. So most doctors will just test your thyroid stimulating hormone, which is your TSH, and then maybe they'll test free T3, right? But there's more to checking the thyroid. So, and this is something that I give to my clients, but the list of what you should get tested for your full thyroid panel is TSH, free T3, free T4, reverse T3, and then you're going to look at two antibody levels. You're going to look at thyroid peroxidase antibodies, which is TPO, and you're going to look at thyroglobulin antibodies, which is TG. A, B. Now, those are the things that you look at for looking at a full thyroid panel. Because like I said, doctors, most doctors will just test one or two things related to the thyroid, but there are six that you could test. So that's my first piece of advice is make sure you're looking at that and looking at the full picture. 
The second piece of advice I have is if you did all that and everything still comes back normal, I would then look at your adrenal glands. So I would look at your cortisol and cortisol is a, you know, a term that we kind of throw around like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm swimming in cortisol or, oh my gosh, I just feel like I'm constantly in high cortisol. And the reality is that cortisol is such an important hormone for us and it actually fluctuates throughout the day. So cortisol's job is it spikes in the morning. So, you know, it's kind of like the, okay, hey, let's up, we're up, get up, you know, let's go on with our day. So it spikes in the morning and then throughout the day, it starts to level out. And then it, at night, it'll go down. And then when that drops, your melatonin shoots up because they work inverse of each other. So when you wake up in the morning and cortisol shoots up, your melatonin is supposed to go down. And then as your cortisol drops throughout the day, your melatonin rises to get you ready for bed so that you can rest and, you know, relax. So I would then suggest getting a cortisol test. Now, some people will get a cortisol test through blood work and they do that by checking it in the morning, fasted, whatever. The issue is that I I correlate that to going to a movie theater and sitting in the movie for five minutes and then walking out. Like you don't get the full picture. You have to test cortisol at least four times throughout the day. And so that is something that I provide with my clients. I am partnered up with a compounding pharmacy here in Cincinnati. um, And I have cortisol test kits and you actually do it at home. It's a saliva test. So you have your four tubes and you have your times of when you're supposed to test and you just, you know, spit in the tube and you freeze it until you're ready to ship it. And you ship it off to the lab and they read it. And then we go over your results. Um, so that's, and I've done that a few times and that has been so informative because it explains like, why am I so tired at this time of the day? And you'll see like, at one point my cortisol was complete opposite of what it should have been. Like it was up when it should have been down. And that's kind of like the wired and tired that people feel maybe at night. Like, let's say they're so tired during the day, but then like their kids are asleep and it's time for them to go to bed, but then they have so many things racing through their head and they just can't slow down. That could be cortisol being too high at night. So there's so many different factors, but, you know, I would first make sure you're getting a full thyroid panel. And if that still comes back clear, I would look at something like your cortisol and make sure that you're looking at it throughout the day rather than just one time in the morning. Okay. So that's interesting. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of that way. Like, I feel like I hit my stride at like 4 PM. Yeah. I feel like I'm like tired all day, all morning, all whatever, go, 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 go. The kids lay down for a nap and I... I actually don't nap every single day, but I still probably nap like three days a week just because all five of my kids, kids nap. So I'm like, why not? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I don't feel better afterwards. You know what I mean? Like I still just feel tired and like, yeah, I just can't ever catch up and just feel, and I'm like, I'm 30 years old. Like I'm like, I should not be feeling like I have zero energy all the time. But then at four o'clock or so, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. And I can go until midnight, hundred miles an hour. Um, but then I, you know, I'm not sleeping, you know, well then I'll go to sleep, but then it's, you know, I'm going to bed at midnight. I'm not going to bed early. So right. it's a hot mess. So I feel like, I feel like that's, um, that's interesting. Cause I, I would be curious as to where my cortisol levels were. Yeah. Throughout well, and the day. one thing, and one thing I want to add, like, cause I'm thinking of people listening to this and they're like, well, how do you fix that? Well, again, this is a very, un- it's 
very uh, not sexy way to fix your cortisol. I mean, yes, there are supplements that can certainly help, but supplements are supplements, right? Like they are supplemental to things that you can be doing. So like I, what I do, you know, I talk about this, you've probably seen it a million times. Like I get up in the morning and I go for a walk and it is, it's not like a 30 minute walk. It's like a five to 10 minute walk. But why I do that is because getting that natural light in my eyes first thing in the morning helps your circadian rhythm. So that's going to help your cortisol levels. You know, going on an evening walk is also helpful because being outside when the sun is setting or when the sun has set, that's helping your natural, your body's natural circadian rhythm adjust to what it should be doing. And it starts to help it, um, you know, secrete the hormones that it needs at the proper time of the day. So that's a really easy way that you can start working on um, your cortisol levels is just getting in tune with the natural rhythm of the day because then your body's natural rhythm will start to um, regulate as well. Okay. So um, stress relief just in general, since yeah. we're kind of on that, um, what are some ways that you would suggest to just decrease stress, um, mm-hmm. whether it be quicken in the moment, which is kind of what you were talking about, just, you know, go for a walk outside in the morning, in the evening or whatever, and what are some just like long-term things um, that we can, you know, just start to compound like each day, like small yeah. things that we can do? Yeah, this is a great question. And I think that you've, you touch on this a lot too, just with, you know, your own content. And I think it's really great. And you have really great perspective in terms of being a parent. Um, but, you know, let's say day-to-day things. Some people are really great at making lists. So make a list of Give yourself two to three things that you absolutely have to do that day. Don't make a list of 13 things that you need to do that day, right? Because that probably won't happen unless you have the whole day to yourself and you have no other responsibility. So when I'm on my morning walk, I pick two to three things that I definitely need to get done that day. And that's it. Those are the only things I'm responsible for. And so I limit the amount of things that I pretend that I have to do throughout the day. So that's one thing is I kind of reduce and uh, minimize the to-do list, Um, you know, to some degree, every day is different. But I also um, make sure that I take time for myself. And for me, that looks like being outside. So outside, being outside is very stress relieving for me. And it is for most people because it helps us connect back to nature, helps us remind, it reminds us that like, hey, you know, things aren't that bad. Like, it is nice to slow down and be outside the way the natural world is. Um, And another major thing that I think gets overlooked by so many people is breath work. Now I'm not this like a specialist in breath work or anything like that, but all I know is that breath work is an extremely powerful tool that a lot of us don't utilize as much as, as much as we should. And there's one thing that I particularly like, um, and I don't know the official name of it, but you breathe in for four seconds you hold that breath for seven seconds and then you exhale that breath for eight seconds. And if you do that two to three times, that sends a signal to your brain that like, okay, I'm all right. It's okay. I don't need to freak out. Everything's going to be okay. So again, you breathe in for four, hold for seven and exhale for eight. So that's something that I really like in the moment to do. And I also think that's great to do in the, in the morning, start your day off with that. Um, So then bigger picture things like I'm very big on routines and that's something that my clients, we build in with them is finding a routine that works for them given their kids schedule, you know, their work schedule, whatever it may be. So having a morning routine, I think really decreases stress. If you can start your day 
in, um, you know, with the same process and the process of having a, you get to choose how your day starts. I think that sets the tone for the, for the day, the week, the month, et cetera. Um, and so having time to do things like meditation or prayer, your breath work, journaling, you know, that that's an extremely useful tool. Um, and then also, you know, as much as people, I mean, meal prepping to some degree is very helpful for people. So that helps decrease stress because I'm assuming that when you have all these really hungry little kids and you're hungry, you're, you know, your spouse just got home from work and you're like, you want to eat dinner, but you don't have anything prepped and you don't know what you guys are going to do. That can become extremely stressful. And so having some sort of game plan is also going to decrease that stress in the moment. Um, but one thing that I really liked that you said, Stephanie, was you were talking about this on your Instagram story is like not saying yes to everything. Um, I'm very much a yes woman, I guess. Um, and I'm learning to just say no to things that I don't actually have to do. And in the months that I've been practicing that, I've noticed a big decrease in my stress levels um, because you do have to put that boundary up and you can do it in a polite way. And one of my favorite things that I've learned um, through stress management, through what I've been doing, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, is that you can disappoint someone without actually doing anything wrong. So let's say you say no to that girl's dinner or whatever, but you know that you have to say no because that's what's going to help you uh, feel better and not get overly stressed. And your friend gets disappointed. You didn't necessarily do anything wrong, even though she's disappointed in you. And so reminding myself of that has also been very, very important in not letting myself spiral into this um, self-destruction of, oh my gosh, I disappoint everybody. I have to say yes to everybody. Um, So that's been a a game changer for me personally. And that was something I learned, like I said, through my cognitive behavioral therapy. So I would add, I guess, you know, reaching out for professional help as well in that area is also a great tool that we have available to us. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like um, we, about the whole saying no thing, I'm kind of on a kick of that this week because that's what the podcast episode was about this past Monday. But um you know, it, it ties into this because it's so cultural. It's so cultural for it us is. to wear busyness like a freaking badge of honor. Yeah. Right? I mean, if like, you, if you're not busy, then you must not be successful. Right. Or you're lazy or, yeah. you know, whatever. And it's, it's something that I've struggled with. I mean, you know, I'm like, why can I not do X, Y, or Z? And my mom is like, you have five children. Right. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'll just be like, I just want to do this and that and lead this and do all of these. And she's like, what, who do you think you are? And it's almost, and, and I remember my mom saying this to me, but it was when actually when we had the seven foster children and I was ramping up to launch this business that got pushed back a month because we said yes to them. But um, I was really, really like in not a good place because I was like just frustrated at myself that I couldn't do everything. And I was so stressed. And she's like, Stephanie, like, I think you're offended because you're realizing that you actually can't do it all. Like, and I think that offends you. I think that <laughs> the fact that you're realizing that is offensive. Like you really feel like, you know, I mean, I'm a pretty high capacity person, like just in general, I feel like yeah. I handle a lot, whatever. Like that's just my personality. It's the way God made me and it is what it is. But I just was at a point where I'm like, I am actually at capacity. Like I keep hitting the ceiling Yeah. <laughs> and it's really frustrating. But anyways, same thing, you know, doctors, you know, prescribe here, let's just treat the symptoms or like right. culture. Right. You need to say yes all the time. And it just raises our stress. Like, and it doesn't actually get to the root problem. You're right. And, you know, and just to kind of 
say this too, we, you know, we have these issues like, oh, I'm so bloated all the time. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, I do this. And it's like, like I said before, we do this to ourselves. So really when you look at cortisol, we like, we just talked about cortisol and stress. So cortisol is meant, I mean, it's good. We need it. It spikes in moments of high stress and cortisol think about like if you back in the old days you were out gathering food for your family and there was a bear in the woods your cortisol would spike and it would be it's the um you know the um fight or flight or freeze and so you need that to be like okay i'm gonna run because this bear is chasing me down and i gotta get back to my family get back to safety and then you get back to safety and your cortisol drops and you're safe and you're good well the issue is that now we view the littlest things as bears in the woods. Like, oh my gosh, an email from a from a coworker or a boss just texted us. Or we have soccer at six o'clock and it's 4.30 and we're not going to make it in time and this or that. We view all these things as bear in the woods. And then when the things end up working themselves out because they always do, we don't turn off that stress response. So we are constantly bathing in this stress response. And when you're constantly in this cortisol stress response, your body is not going to do the things that you want it to do. It's not going to feel safe to lose weight. It's not going to feel safe to digest food. It's not going to feel safe to reproduce. So our body is doing what it needs to and doing what we think, what it thinks it needs to do, which is survive because we have all these stressors but we don't turn off the stress response. And if we did, then maybe all those other things wouldn't be issues for us because our body wouldn't feel like it needs to expend all this energy on cortisol. And rather it can then focus on things like digestion, reproduction, like all these other things that we have issues with. And that's something that I just, I really want to make the point of that is our body is, it's not doing this because it's mean or whatever. We have something wrong with us. Our body's actually functioning the way it should. It's just that we don't know how to turn these things off. And so we create these problems for ourselves at the end of the day. Hmm. That's really interesting. I literally about to put a post out on Instagram tomorrow about how our yeses to things need to be like sacred. Yes. You know, like yeah. it needs, they, and I, and I just not to keep saying what I've already said on a social media platform, but I just went on a whole rant of like, even if you have margin, you don't have to say yes to something. Like yes. we, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it's like, I am go, go, go all the freaking time. And I think I stress other people out and like, you know, I'll get one thing off my plate. I'm like, all right, what else can I do now? You know, it's like, I got yeah. these 15 things in line ready to just come in to when I have a freaking minute. And, and a lot of times I get really, that really excites me. Like the adrenaline of like, okay, I've got this going on and this, and I'm going to balance it this way. But then in, the reality hits of like that day. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah, <laughs> this is way too much. You know, right. I, I just don't have the capability of like seeing that, you know, um, like that vision of what that's actually going to look like. Um, but anyways, like your yeses just need to be sacred and you don't have to have every freaking minute filled because when you do that, you, when something does come up that really would like give you life and give you energy, you can't even say no because you have maxed yourself out. And so I think, again, I think that's just the culture and I think it's, it's anti-cultural really to like say no to things and to turn down that invitation. And I mean, even invitations to weddings or invitations to, um, you know, whatever the heck, I don't even freaking know. I mean, this season, um, this spring, we're all on freaking quarantine now, but like this was going to be a season of rest for us. Like there was going to be no baseball, no soccer, nothing. 
And people looked at us. I mean, there were half, half the people were like, good for you. <laughs> Way yeah. to do that. Yeah. Um, but the other half were like, oh, wow, I wish I could do that. You know, it's like, it's so ingrained, especially in the American culture, like sports all the time, you know, and if you, you don't miss a season or they're not going to go pro. Seriously, my kid is seven. Like, right. I don't, exactly. I, don't know. I, know. I can't do that. I know. So just prioritizing like seasons of rest. Um, and and that's yes. okay to do. Yes. And that, I mean, that's how our ancestors were, right? Like there was like in the winter, you rested more, right? Like the days were shorter. You, you ate a little bit more because you needed to sustain yourself through winter. Like cyclical living, I think, and seasonal living is still important and still important to think about. Like, yeah, we can't do it exactly like they did. But I do think it's important that, hey, you know what? This is the season that we're going to rest a little bit more. And so I think it's very interesting, like, now with the quarantine and everything going going on with this pandemic and just how difficult it is for some people to stop because they've been forced to and that is very not in their nature and so it's been very difficult for a lot of people um, who are very more of like we're always doing something we always have something as a family you know we never just have a night off and so it's been very interesting to kind of see and work um, one-on-one with clients who have been like that and really helping them see the value in slowing down and seeing the value in having that, you know, different pace lifestyle every now and then. Well, and I mean, we're, we're getting a little off our whatever, but I just, I feel like this is a good conversation because I think that, um, your kids, like when I am go, 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 like I'm, I mean, Noah doesn't like sign himself up for football. Wesley doesn't sign himself up for soccer. So like this past winter, which I'm actually okay with, we, we said yes to this for a reason. We thought it out, but um, Noah was in basketball and wrestling. It was almost seven hours a week of practice. Wow. Two, four, five, five hours a week of practice um, for him. He's a first grader. Now he loves basketball, but really wanted to try wrestling and Wesley wanted to do wrestling. So we just kind of were like, all right, whatever. We're already dropping Wesley off. We'll let him do it. Now we were also very relaxed. We're like, you know what? If we miss a practice, we miss a practice. We were not like strict about it at all. We didn't do any wrestling meets. It was strictly just like the practice thing. Anyways, Point being is that like we run ourselves ragged and then we almost like do the same for our kids, you know, and yeah, Noah, right. start, Noah started having night terrors again. Um, you know, he was just exhausted. Like just I, anyways, I think that when we are in those bad habits of just go, 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 and then we just drag our children along with it, like we're just setting them up for bad habits, I feel like. Um, yeah. And that's just you know, I feel like we need to get the whole point of this podcast is that we need to get ourselves under control and understand what is good and beneficial and what is not right. And like you said, there's seasons to run, but there's also seasons to walk. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. So let's answer a a couple more questions, um, that we got in the group and then we can, I want to talk about just you and the services that you provide, um, just in holistically restored so that if anybody needs to reach out that, um, they kind of know what you offer. So, Let's let's see. I have three questions left for you. Okay. So maybe we can kind of um, rapid fire a little bit because I think we sure. touched on each of these. Um, okay. So PCOS. Let's hop back there really quick. Okay. So if somebody does have PCOS or actively, you know, has it right now, whatever. Yeah. Um, and they have really they struggle with really really low energy and weight loss. Um, so I know that we talked about getting rid of PCOS totally. Yeah. Um, but if they have it right now, what are some things they can do to yeah. help combat that? So first thing I recommend is, and I know this will kind of be like, oh my gosh, but you need to find out what type of 
what type of PCOS you have. So there are four types. Um, there's insulin resistance PCOS. There is adrenal PCOS. There is post pill PCOS, which is honestly probably the best one if you're going to have one because that typically clears up on its own the longer you've been off the pill. Um, and then the final one is inflammatory PCOS. So what you need to do is find out what type you have. And there are tools that we use to find out what type you have. And then based on that, you're able to go a different route to um, address the issue. So general things that you would do are look at your diet, look at your exercise, your stress management, and your sleep. Um, those are like the four major things that you would look at, but they differ based on the type of PCOS that you do have. Okay. Um, and just FYI, everyone, these, all, all this stuff, all these fancy things will be in the show notes. So if you need to look, <laughs> look back at yes. those, we will put those <laughs> in there for you. Um, okay. So let's talk about really quickly, just in general supplements and vitamins, like what okay. is worth it? Because like you said, supplements are supplements you know, they're supposed to be supplemental, but what are actually like good to supplement with, um, and, and vitamins, which what, what's good and what is totally kind of just a placebo effect? Yeah. So there are so many different supplements for so many different things. And I think that there are time and a place to implement certain supplements. Um, and depending on where you're at, um, with what's going on with you, we can supplement based on those needs. So actually, and I know we'll kind of touch on this, but I do have, um, a tool that I use in my practice to help identify what like vitamins and minerals you might be lacking. And then that way we can kind of narrow down what supplements you could look into using in your everyday life. Um, but for, so I will share for me, what I'm doing right now is I supplement magnesium, which is a wonderful mineral for people to have. It helps our immune system. It strengthens our immune system. It helps you recover from the gym. So it helps you with that, um, you know, calming, um, the calming part of our body. And we also absorb calcium better when we have good levels of magnesium. It also can help your mood. Magnesium is also really, really helpful when it comes to periods. So let's say you have really bad PMS. Magnesium is something that you should certainly look into. Um, I personally increase my magnesium when I am on my period to help combat that crampiness and the headaches that I uh, sometimes get on my period. So magnesium, I think, is a really, really great mineral that most people do well with. Um, And so you can look into that. I think that one is one that most people stay consistent on. Something else that most women would benefit from, especially coming off of birth control, is zinc. So zinc is a mineral that helps with a couple things. It helps acne, can help with that hairiness that you might have around your chin or your jawline or your upper lip. And then it also helps with our mood as well. But birth control, hormonal birth control depletes zinc. And so that's why I think it's really, really important to look into when you're coming off of birth control, especially. But that is something that I also continue to take as well. Um, Another thing that I talk about often myself is vitamin D. It is so, so important to have this vitamin. Vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin, which means that you want to take it with a meal, preferably a meal with fat in it. Um, And you need it to develop and mature your eggs so they can become fertile. It also helps break down glucose and sugar, and it also helps with your mood. So vitamin D is really, really great. Um, helps with that calcium in our bo- in our bodies as well. Um, and then other general things that you can look into, I mean, they just depend on where you're at. So it's really hard to give 
you know, suggestions for something that you're not sure about. But one thing that I particularly take that I don't mind sharing is I also supplement selenium. Selenium is another mineral that's really, really good for metabolism and thyroid function. So it protects your thyroid against damage that it might incur from other issues in the body. And that's why I really like selenium too. But you could also get selenium from eggs um, and certain nuts as well. Um, So those are kind of things that I myself take that I don't mind sharing. But again, it's very dependent on what you do and that you need to check with a professional to see what would work for you. I, I, I will say that multivitamins typically don't have enough of those, um, vitamins or minerals that I think are really useful to the body. So I'd rather just have someone take that concentrated dose of that vitamin or that mineral, um, to get the benefit from it because I do think that multivitamins kind of you know it's just a it's just a little too low for some of those things um with supplements though I'm very very picky on the brands of supplements because I want my supplements to be third-party tested which means that they are tested for things like heavy metals and other toxicities so what I provide for my clients um, and other people that I work with and speak with is I have an online dispensary of really high quality vitamins that are third party tested and have low levels or no levels of toxicity um, and heavy metals and et cetera. Um, And so I recommend certain brands like that. And I would also say that generally, I don't think it's a good idea to get supplements off of Amazon or anything like that, just because companies have come out to say like, we have no control over that. And so I just would rather you get from someone who has credible sources like a full script account, which is what I have, or through doctor's recommendations um, or the actual supplement company's website themselves. Um, but I am very particular on supplements just because they aren't regulated. So it is nice to have that extra layer of testing that companies can provide to give you, put you at ease a little bit when it comes to that stuff. Okay. And so what about iron? Is that a, is that something that I feel like I've heard that in energy or like B12 or? Yeah. Yeah. So B vitamins are definitely helpful. Um, B vitamins and iron, those are something to definitely look into. Those are things that I would test first. I would have your doctors test your B vitamin levels and your iron. If you are going to test iron, have your doctor test ferritin as well because ferritin is the storage of iron in your body so you might have like a good iron level but you still feel really you still feel like maybe it should be low so maybe your ferritin is low so that would help explain it so you know make sure that if your doctor does test iron check ferritin as well okay and then um the last question that i have for you is um just a quick one and it kind of got um added in at the last minute but what is the difference between a food intolerance and a food allergy in children? And what like what can we do for each? Yeah, so that's a great question. I actually, this was good timing because I just posted this a couple of days ago on my social media, on my Instagram. Um, but so there is a difference between a food allergy and a food um, sensitivity or, into- or tolerance. So... The difference is based on your immune system's reaction to the food. So, for example, a food allergy is characterized by the activation of this antibody in your body, and it's activated by the antibody to this food. So let's say you eat a banana. Well, you have an antibody that looks at a banana as an invader. So your body is going to handle that as, I need to get this out of here. So that is an allergy. 
Whereas a food intolerance is an adverse reaction to the food, but it doesn't, it's not like related to your immune system because the allergies related to your, your immune system, a food intolerance or sensitivity is not related to your immune system. So food intolerances can be caused by things that bother you, but not like to the extent where it bothers your immune system. So to diagnose a food allergy, you actually have to test that specific antibody. So that's a blood test. But for food intolerances or sensitivities, you can test that several ways. You can just do elimination diets and see how you feel when you don't consume those foods anymore. Or you can do food sensitivity tests, but keep in mind that your food sensitivities and intolerances, those ebb and flow based on your stress levels, the foods that you're currently eating. So something, you know, I got a food sensitivity test done, I don't know, a little over a year ago, and I'm sure that those foods would be totally different today. So those things change. So just be aware, but a food allergy test would not change. So again, you want to check that antibody, um, the IgE antibody. And you also, another way to know is that a food allergy, you'd actually have like the itching, the hives, your throat would be closing, that's an allergic reaction. Whereas a sensitivity is more of like, you're running to the bathroom, you have diarrhea, you're bloating, indigestion, those types of things. So they are two different responses in the body. Uh, one is affecting your immune system and one is not. Okay. So one is kind of like, I was I was just talking to somebody about this and I did see your Instagram stuff. I wanted you just to explain it on here. But one, I feel like if you're, I mean, if you have a like peanut sensitivity, I don't even know if that's a thing. It's like, it would be annoying if you, you know, if you had a kid that had a peanut sensitivity, it would be annoying because if he ate it, he'd have diarrhea or whatever. Right. If they had an allergy, you'd be terrified that he right. ever would touch a peanut. So it's like this exactly. annoyance versus like a terrifying, like, right. your yeah, like some people, is literally going to close. Yeah. Some people say like, oh, I have a gluten allergy. And I'm like, well, you like, I don't have a gluten allergy myself, but I'm very sensitive to gluten, which is why I ignore it. Same for dairy. People are like, I have a dairy allergy. Well, it's like, you don't necessarily have an allergy because you don't have these symptoms, but you have a sensitivity to it. So there's both merited in avoiding the food. Sure. Definitely avoid it if it bothers you, but there is a difference in the body and how it responds to that food. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, um, is there anything you feel like that we missed that you want to just add on to this conversation at all before we kind of wrap up? And I want you to tell us all the things. How do we get a hold of you? What kind of services do you provide? What um, what kind of what women can kind of reach out to you for? Do you guys have consults? Yeah, definitely. So um, I again own Holistically Restored. And I am located here in Cincinnati, but I do have clients from all over the country, which is really, really cool that we're able to work together. So what I offer is um, initially we do an initial consultation, which is a 60 minute consultation. And that's an opportunity for you to tell your story. You tell me where you've been, how you got to where you are, where you want to be, you know, kind of that backstory of what's going on with you. And so again, that's 60 minutes. And then if we decide that we're a good team and we have a game plan going, we then set up for you to become a client. And I ask for a minimum of three month commitment because most of the time it didn't take us three months to get to where we are. So I at least need those 12 weeks to get my hands in there and see what we can do and get you out of where you are um, and get you to where you want to be. So it's a minimum three months program and we meet two times a month, which is typically every other week. And we meet for 60 minutes. And in those sessions, we do things like educational things. We talk about meals. We talk about stress management, your sleep hygiene, your exercise. And I provide 
a suggested meal plan. So I give suggestions on foods and what you should be eating and how to experiment with those. And we see how that goes. We do some exercise plans. We talk about, like I said, stress management. So we'll come up with some routines based on your current lifestyle to implement to help you with that. And then we also look at um, like your sleep hygiene. We work on improving your overall sleep as well. And then, like I mentioned, I do have the online dispensary of supplements that I can make recommendations for. And if you do choose to purchase from that, you do save 10%, which is really nice feature that I'm able to give to people um, just to make sure they're getting high quality supplements and at a discounted price. So I'm happy that I'm able to do that through this dispensary that I have. Um, But yeah, it's like I said, a minimum of three months. We meet two times per per month for 60 minutes. I'm also available um, through text and email in between them. I do weekly check-ins with you. There's a private Facebook group for clients that you'd get added on to where we share recipes, we share ideas, uh, we share our struggles and our frustrations. So it's a really nice community to be a part of as well. Um, And so I'd really, you know, if you're interested, reach out to me. My social media, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. And my Instagram is Evie underscore Takis, or you can search Holistically Restored. And then my Facebook, I also have a Facebook page, which is Holistically Restored as well. So you can find me on there and on there pretty much every day, sharing little tips and trip tricks, uh, talking about my own stuff. I'm feel like I'm pretty candid on there, pretty open to share some things. Um, so hopefully if, you know, if you feel like it would be a good fit, I'd love to hear from you and get you to feeling better and living a healthier life. Yeah. And, um, her Instagram literally guys, is just packed. Like it's, it's packed full of just so much education, so much stuff. I mean, Thank I you. feel like, Oh my I gosh, girl, <laughs> I'm like, I need to be more like Evie. Like I, <laughs> as we were talking before we hit record. I'm like, she's so good. And it's not, it's not just, um, you know, just random like posts. Like she gets on, you see her face, uh, her Instagram stories are just constant for the most part. So, um, I really appreciate that. I'm not, um, actually I probably, I probably do need a lot to be focusing a lot more on this, especially cause I'm tired all the time, but, um, you know, it's, it's just super, um, educational just for anyone at any, you know, stage. So, go check her out. I will put all of her, um, all of her information in the show notes. So it's, they all have easy access to you, but, um, so yeah, well, Evie, thank you so much for, um, hopping on here and answering all, all my people's questions and my questions and just being very open and educational for all of this. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. This was really fun and I hope that it was educational for people and I really appreciate the questions. These are really, really great questions. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I like have 14 more written down. So maybe we'll have you on our, <laughs> like, That's we fine. I mean, maybe we'll have you either back on or um, maybe we can have you come on the Facebook group and we'll, we'll just do a live together. So there's yeah. not like a huge, huge restriction. So, all right, girl. Well, thank you so much. And I will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Good. I feel like I still have so many questions for her. I'm going to schedule her actually to be live one day in the community group just to answer more questions for us. But if you are someone that would benefit from a closer look into your health, she is taking on new clients right now. And I would highly encourage you to at the very least just get a consult to see if she can help you out and you guys would possibly be a good fit. And like we said in the interview, there's nothing wrong with Western medicine or the way they do things, you know, doctors, but sometimes our bodies just need a little less of a quick, a quick fix through medication. 
and a little more of us just taking a step back and looking at the big picture. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I hope that you found it helpful for you. And thank you so much, Evie, for being on. Join me in my next episode as I interview Selena Frederick from Fierce Marriage. They have a book coming out on May 5th called See Through Marriage, and it's all about striving to have a transparent and authentic marriage. And to say I am excited to like sit down with her virtually and have a conversation is an understatement. So I hope you guys are looking forward to this conversation as much as I am, and I am so excited to share it with you. And as always, you guys, I am so excited to be walking with you and helping you find your grit while completely covering you in grace.